Hey, we're so glad you decided to join us on YouTube. You're about to hear a message from our teaching team. We hope this message helps equip you for freedom and to find purpose in your everyday life. We stream our online services every Sunday. You can visit us at freedomhouse.cc live to connect with us and become part of our online campus. We know that you're gonna enjoy this message you're about to watch. Hello. It is so good to be with you. Welcome if you're new here. My name is Olin Carter and I'm part of our teaching team here at Freedom House Church. And we are starting a new series, you might have noticed there, called Taming the Tongue. And I've got to tell you, I think I'm more excited about this series than I have been in a long, long time. I am a... I'm a word guy. I love books. I love listening to great, you know, oratory. Just, I, I just, I love words. I just think words are amazing. And so this series is just exciting to me. And I hope it will be exciting to you as well. And so we're talking about taming the tongue. Taming the tongue. And you know, you can't measure, you can't measure a word on a scale. But you know, words can be incredibly heavy. They can weigh a lot. You know, we live in a world where one bad tweet can end your whole career. Think about all the celebrities and the politicians uh, just in the last decade that have said something that they shouldn't have said, and within an hour, the entire world knows about it. I mean, when you say something wrong today, I mean, it goes viral just like that. I think half of us are scared to death to say anything. It can be a little scary. I was thinking about the impact of words on my personal life when I was preparing this message. And you know, I just celebrated my 20-year wedding anniversary. My wife, sitting right over there. And thank you very much. Um, that's more for her than me. Um, but you know, I, I'm married in, large, in a large part because of the words that I said. I said at one point, I had to say, I love you. At one point, I had to ask the question, will you marry me? And then I had to say the big one, I do. And just a tip for you guys, I've been happily married for 20 years, largely in part to a lot of words I've chosen not to say. Can I get an amen on that one? All right, just a nugget for you this evening. That'll help you. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ in a large part because of words that I've said. The Bible says it's with our heart that we believe, but it's with our mouth that we confess Jesus as our Lord. And so our words have a lot to do that with that. And I was thinking about the lasting influence that I'm going to have on my kids, my children, who I love so much. And, you know, thinking about that, that is in large part also going to be my words. How did I love them? How did I challenge them? How did I choose to encourage them? It's going to be a lot to do with my words. But you know, I believe it's not always about the words we say. Uh, I know I have misspoken a lot in my life. I've said things I wish I could just, you know, it gets out and you just, <laughs> I wish I could just pull it right back in there. Like, no, 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 no. You know, you feel it when it's getting out. And you're like, no, stop, stop. But you know, sometimes it's not even the things that we say that slip out. Sometimes it's the things that we don't say. I remember about 10 years ago, I was working late at my office and I got a phone call. Um, well, it actually came through a friend there at the office because for whatever reason they tried to call me and, and I didn't hear it or whatever. And the person comes running and says, Olin, 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 you need to call your mom right away. Something's wrong. 
It's about your dad. And so I call my mom on the phone, and I hear that my father, while working on our house, has been burned in a fire. And so hearing a little bit of the details, I figure out, man, this is serious. My mom's saying, Ola, you need to get down here. You need to get to the hospital right now. So I fly outside. I get in my car. I get to the hospital as fast as I possibly can. And fortunately, I got there before, um, well, while there was still time to talk with him. And so they let me back, and I can tell you, it's something that is hard to put into words, seeing my father, who was a strong man, he was a Marine, he was tough, he was a man's man, he was an outdoorsman, always strong, always invincible in my eyes, laying there in that bed, burned, shaken, afraid, and in pain. And I got to talk with him, he got to tell me a little bit about what had happened in the story. And I remember so vividly just looking down and just seeing that his hands were black, just charred black, the skin going up his arms, just black. And of course, I told him I loved him. I said, Dad, they're going to have to put you on a helicopter. They're going to have to take you up to the burn center up in Chapel Hill. And I'll get mom and we'll meet you up there. We'll see you up there. It's going to be okay. And the doctor said, yep, we're going to get him in. You'll be fine. Just get, get on the road. You'll, you'll get up there. You'll get to see him. And so we did that. We got up there. But what I didn't realize was is that after that moment with my father, when I walked out and they took him in that helicopter and they flew him up to Chapel Hill, they put him in a medically induced coma. And I never got to have a conversation with him again. And I'm here to tell you today that when I think about regrets in my life, I think about what I could have said. What I should have said. What If I had only known that that was the last time I was going to get to have a conversation with my dad. What I would have said, the questions I would have asked him, I've got regrets. Now, I have peace in my heart because I, knew, I know he knew the Lord. I know he's in heaven. I know I'm going to get to talk with him again one day. And so I've got hope and I've got peace in my heart about that. But man, if I could go back. I wish I could go back. I wish that night in that hospital room I would have known what I knew a few hours later and a few days later. And when I was preparing this message and I was thinking about that story, I thought about all of you. And I think, you know, there's probably some people in this room that you have some regrets about words you've, sp you've spoken. Maybe you have some regrets about words you wish you would have spoken, and maybe you haven't, and maybe there's still time. And what I want to talk to you about tonight is the importance of our words. How important are our words? If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, and if you have your Bibles, you can follow along on your phone if you have an app, but we'll put them up on the screens as well so you can follow along that way. But I want to hear tonight, I want to read for a moment about what Jesus had to say about the importance of our words. How heavy, how important are words in our life? Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, it says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. That's a simple analogy. Right? We get that. An apple tree is going to put forth apples. apples. Not a trick question. 
We get that. It's not going to put forth oranges. It's going to put forth apples. He says, you brood of vipers. Jesus is talking here to religious leaders who are criticizing him, who are criticizing the good things that he's doing. And he says, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, and I want you to pay attention tonight to that word abundance, because we're going to talk about that word quite a bit. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I'm here to tell you tonight that every single word matters. Every word matters. And what is the key message that Jesus is trying to teach us in this passage? He's talking about our words. He's telling us how important our words are. But you know, the actual key theme of this passage is that your words are not the problem. If you've had those words slip out before and you wish you could reel them back in, if you have had sleepless nights because of something you wish you had the courage to say and you haven't, the problem is not your words. See, it would be really easy for me to hide my junk if I never had to talk to anybody. Sometimes it slips out when we have to talk, and the truth is, is that it's not really our words that are the key issue, it's our heart. It's our heart. You see, in verse 34, it says that out of the abundance, remember I said to, to pay attention to that word abundance? It's out of, the, out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So why does Jesus tell us that it's out of the abundance, or another good word for that would be the overflow of the heart? Why does he tell us to pay attention so much with that? Because I believe that most of the pointed words that we say in our life come out of a place of great emotion. When was the last time that you went running around telling everybody about the new restaurant that was okay? Or you couldn't wait to get into, the, into work the next morning to tell them about, man, this new movie I saw this week. It was, um, uh, we don't do that, do we? We get loud about two things, things that excite us or things that upset us. That's what gets us worked up and that's what generates those words. Don't believe me? Check out social media the next time something really great or something really awful happens. Something really bad happens and the next thing you know, Twitter's ablaze, everybody's posting, people are talking, it's all over social media, people are... Why? Because when we get excited or when we get upset, we tend to talk. And many of our words come from a place of great emotion. And why, why is this such a problem? Why does this cause such a problem for us? Because God gave us our emotions to be a thermometer, never a thermostat. You see, your emotions are there to tell you what's going on inside you, but they're never supposed to dictate your response. When you let your emotions drive, you're going to be 
in trouble. And the problem with our words is that most of us live our lives justifying everything we say and everything we do based on what's happened to us. Well, I'm justified in saying that because look what they did to me. Look how they treated me. Look how they spoke to me. And because of that, I'm justified because of my feelings. I feel a certain way. I mean, heck, man, I only cuss when I'm angry. You see how silly and ridiculous that sounds? But we do it every day. We live that way. We justify tearing people down online or behind their back because what they did was wrong. I'm justified in lighting them up and slashing and tearing at them because I disagree with them. So I guess all the scriptures in the Bible about gossip and what we say about people were only written for people we agree with. I guess those scriptures were put there for people we get along with all the time. But yet we feel justified. We feel justified in it. I want to be clear tonight, and so I'm going to say this in a very clear manner. Because we live in a society and a culture today when it's not acceptable to tell anybody they're wrong about anything. But I want to be clear about this when I say it. If you go on social media or you talk about people to attack them and tear them down, I want to be as clear as I can be. You are wrong. It's a three-letter word called sin. It's wrong. It's wrong if I do it. It's wrong if you do it. It's wrong if the Pope does it. It's wrong if the President does it. It doesn't matter who you are. If you use your words to tear someone else down, it is wrong. Period. End of discussion. It's not right. It's not right. If you talk about people negatively behind their back and you don't go directly to them, it's wrong. It's wrong. But remember, the main issue here is not our words. That's just the fruit. we got to deal with the root. The problem is not our words, it's the heart those words are coming from. So why is this so important? Well, the second thing I learned from this passage of Scripture that Jesus just told me is that we will answer for every careless word. That is a sobering thought. Because it doesn't say some of the words. I've read it about 50 times. I read it in the Greek, the Hebrew, the, I mean, Latin, Spanish. You can put it in any language you want. It says every single word. That's scary when you think about that. Verse 36, Jesus tells us that we will give account for every careless or a better translation of that word, I believe, is idle. A lot of translations say idle word that we speak. Why? Because every word that we speak should be pregnant with purpose. Every word that we speak should be full of purpose to encourage, to build up, to accomplish something. And when you speak your words that carry much more weight than you realize without purpose, when you're careless, when you're lazy, when you're sloppy with your words, you're going to give an account. Many years ago when I traveled on the missions field, there was a, a, a young lady on our team named Catherine. And... Um, Catherine was the most fun-loving, 
full of life, just always smiling person you've ever met in your life. I mean, you never get upset. Just Catherine was a ball of life, a ball of energy, a ball of love. I mean, Catherine was awesome. And I remember our team, we, we had a little bit of an unhealthy dynamic. We kind of, I guess you'd call it hazing. We picked at each other incessantly. I mean, if you did anything, if you tripped and fell down, if you, whatever you did, you were going to get picked on. I got picked on, she got picked, we all got picked on. But my word sometimes, I have a way that I can, I can cut deep. And Catherine on this one trip was, was running and she tripped and she fell. And myself and some other people, we saw it and we laughed about it. And so for the rest of this trip, I'm poking at her, I'm poking at her. All in good fun. I got poked at too. But I remember one day Catherine sitting over in the corner by herself and I see a tear go down her cheek. And I walked over there to her and I said, what's going on? What's wrong? And she looked at me and she said, Olin, you're my friend. And I know we joke and I know it's all fun and I know we all do it. But when you say these things about me, it hurts. And for the first time in my life, I understood the careless word. I, I saw in her eyes this pain of what we were doing and how deeply it was hurting her. It was cutting her. It was tearing at her. And I told her to stand up and I looked her in her eye and I said, you have my word. I will never again use my words to hurt you. And she forgave me, gave me a big hug. And I kept my word for years. I never again would make fun or poke jokes because I understood the weight Sometimes we don't see the pain. We don't see behind the veil of the careless words we say and the weight they carry into the people we love the most. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words can be an encouragement to those who hear them. See, you see, there is a standard. This world today will tell you there's no standard. There is a standard. There is a standard set for the words we speak. And he gives it to you right there. It's that everything you say should be helpful. Every word you speak should be an encouragement. So you know what, guys? We, we, we've got a problem. I don't know if you figured this out so far where I'm kind of going with this. But we've got a problem. I've got a problem because when I went back and I started tallying up all the words that I've spoken in my life, I mean, I have dishonored others, I have gossiped, I've planted seeds of division, I've disrespected my parents, I've taken the Lord's name in vain, I've told lies. I'm in trouble. Let me ask you a question. Do you have peace in your heart right now about all the words you've spoken in your life? Forget your life this week. Do you feel perfect peace right now about every word that's come out of your mouth this week? What about the words you haven't spoken? That's a tough bar, isn't it? I want to read you a passage. This is a classic passage about our tongue. And this is found in James chapter 3, verses 2 through 8. It says, for we all stumble in many ways. And that word many, really, it means various. It doesn't mean we have lots of sins, although most of us do. But it means 
we mess up or we are tempted or we can get off course in lots of different ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the, w- the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And there it is. No human being can tame the tongue. He tells us right there. We've read passages about the standard that everything we say should be helpful, should be an encouragement, and every one of us knows that we have not lived up to that standard. Maybe we want to change, maybe we want to do better, but then the Bible tells us right here, we're in trouble. Because no human being can tame the tongue. We can't do it. If you try to say the right words all the time, you will fall short. You see, we all sin in different ways, and you might struggle in an area of your life that I don't, and I might struggle somewhere where you don't, but get get this, we all struggle with this. It's a unifying thing to everyone, not only in the church, but in the world. We all have a hard time with this little thing right here. It's a challenge for all of us. But we have to remember what Jesus just taught us in Matthew. The source of our words is our hearts. And without him, our hearts are not good. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. So who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. You see... Don't fall for the lie of the enemy that people are basically good. It's not true. We just make mistakes. We just all, you know, mess up a little bit. That's not what the verse said. It said that our heart, my heart, your heart is deceitful above all things. And until we come to grips with the source of our words... And until we change the root, we will never change the fruit. Never. Let's see what Jesus has to say about it. This is Mark chapter 7, verse 20. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. See, Jesus is talking to the religious people. And we could have this same talk today when we get all caught up in what we do, what we wear, what we say. Because I can fake it for a little while. And back then, the religious people were all called up in all these traditions and all these rituals. And Jesus says, no, no, guys, you got it. You've got it all wrong. See, it's not what goes in you. It's not the food you eat that's defiling you. It's what's coming out. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, 
sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. You see, when we sin with our mouth, most of the time what we say is, man, I'm, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have said that. And I'm, I'm so sorry if that hurts you. I really didn't mean it. Man, I'm, I'm sorry. I kind of misspoke. I'm just really tired and frustrated. But see, that's not the truth. The truth is, we did mean it. We said something mean and hateful because we believed something mean and hateful in our heart. I hurt you. I cut you. I said something behind your back because I meant it. When we say it, we mean it. That's the problem. The problem's not that I said it. That's just it slipped out. Oops, I accidentally let you see into the darkness of my soul. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's really what we're saying. The problem is not that it got out. The problem is that it was there to begin with. We have to change what's inside, and if we change what's inside, what comes out will automatically be changed. So if no human being can tame the tongue, I mean, it kind of sounds like we're all doomed. What can we do? What can we do? If I, if I can't tame my tongue, if you can't tame your tongue, what can we really do? I heard a pastor say this recently, and it really stuck with me, and I wanted to share it with you guys. He said... When I think about, when I read about Shakespeare, he said, man, the genius. He said, you know, I can read a work of Shakespeare. I can read a Shakespeare play. I can go to see a play. I could play a part in the play. I could spend my life, I could take college courses on the play. But I couldn't write one. I could look at a Van Gogh, I could look at this beautiful painting on the wall, and I could study it and study it and study it. I could read all the books about Van Gogh. I could learn about his life. I could take college courses. I could do all these things, but I couldn't paint one. And I can read and I can study about the life of this man named Jesus. A life of compassion, a life of perfection. He said, I could read the Gospels backward and forward 50 times, but I couldn't live that life. I could never live the life that Jesus lived. I could never speak the words that Jesus spoke. He said, but if you could take the literary genius of Shakespeare and you could put that genius in me, then I could write a play like Shakespeare. And he said, if you could take the creativity and the talent of Van Gogh and somehow, some way, you could put that talent in me, then I could paint a painting like Van Gogh. And if you can take the spirit of the living God and put it in me, then I can live the life that that man Jesus lived. Then I could speak the words that he spoke. You see, taming the tongue 
When I thought about this message, the thing I didn't want to do is come in here and tell you that taming the tongue is for you to stop cussing in traffic or say less mean things. Because you can get that from a self-help book or a nursery rhyme. That's not the gospel. But the Holy Spirit can empower you to speak words with spiritual authority. The gospel can empower you to speak like Jesus spoke. So I want you to imagine with me for just a moment. I want you to imagine that you had the mouth of Jesus. I thought about a few examples, my favorite examples of how Jesus spoke. Matthew chapter 8, we read about a centurion that came to Jesus and he said, Hey Jesus, my servant is sick and I would really love if you would come to my home and you would lay hands on my servant or do something to heal my, my servant because I want my servant to be healed. And Jesus said, sure, I'll come to your home. I'll, I'll come with you. I'll heal your servant. And the man said, whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. I'm not even worthy, really, that you would even come under my roof. So Jesus, you know what? If you would just speak the word only. That would be good enough for me. And Jesus said, he said, go. He said, let it be done for you if you have believed. And the servant was healed. You see, I believe when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, we can speak words that bring healing. Just like Jesus did. Another passage is Mark chapter 4. The disciples are in a boat and the storm comes up. The waves are crashing, the wind is blowing, and they, they're freaking out. So they wake Jesus up and they say, Jesus, do you not care? We're going to die. The boat's going down. You don't even care that we're going to die? Jesus, he's not affected, he's not afraid. He just steps up onto the bow of the boat. And what does he do? He just speaks. He says, peace, be still. And just like that, the storm stops. The Bible says the disciples marveled at this man. What kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey his voice? I believe when we're filled with the Spirit of God that our words can bring peace. We can speak those same words into people's lives each and every day. Peace be still. I think my favorite one is in John chapter 4. There's a Samaritan woman who's given up all hope. She's an outcast. She's looked down on. She goes to the well. She runs into Jesus. Jesus asks her for something to drink, and she says, how is it that you ask me for something to drink? I'm, I'm a Samaritan. I'm, I'm an outcast. You're a Jew. You, you can't ask me. And Jesus says, if you knew who was here talking to you right now, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. You know what? I believe that if we're full of the Holy Spirit, we can speak words of salvation. So taming the tongue is about more than learning what to say and what not to say. Taming the tongue is about more than just being crafty with our words or trying to be a good person and be nice to people. Taming our tongue is about understanding that the source of our words is our heart. 
And I have to allow God to change what's inside of me because if he changes this heart of stone into a heart of flesh, if the spirit of the living God can fill me, remember Jesus says, he says, I want your words, they're going to come out of the abundance of your heart. I believe we can be full so that the abundance is the spirit of God. Would you stand with me tonight? If you want to change your words, first you have to ask God to change your heart. Why did Jesus say out of the abundance of the heart? Because he wants our heart to be filled to overflowing with his spirit. He wants us to be speaking out of the overflow of the spirit of God. It says in Luke chapter 11 verse 13, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? But you have to ask. But that's all you have to do. He says he's here and he's offering this spirit, the same spirit that made Jesus who he was, that powered, empowered him to do miracles, to walk on water, to speak perfect words. Words of peace, words of healing, words of salvation. That same spirit can come and not only live in you, but can fill you to overflowing. All you have to do is ask. So would you bow your heads with me for a moment? I want to ask you to use your words right now to do the most important thing that a person can do. And that's surrender your heart to God so he can make it new. The gospel, the good news, is that we get to trade with Jesus. He was sinless, and he'll take our sin. We don't have goodness of our own, but we can get his goodness in exchange. He lived a perfect life, and we can get credit for that life if we'll humble ourselves and ask. Tonight we're talking about taming the tongue. You can trade your tongue for his. All you have to do is ask. So if that's you tonight and you'd say, I want to change. There's words that I've said that I can't undo. There's words I should have said that I haven't. I don't want to keep going through life with this tongue that's wrecking everything and everyone around me. I want to speak like Jesus spoke. If that's you tonight, would you raise your hand right now? Amen. Well, I'm going to ask, let's pray this together. Church, let's repeat this prayer. Father God, I know I can't tame my tongue. And I've got a problem. I want my words to be different. So I need you to make my heart different. Throughout my life, I've been filled with pain with sin Lord I want to be full of your spirit 
I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I receive that gift right now by faith. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Not just a little bit, God, but overflowing. I receive it now. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and join us for online services. If you'd like to learn more about Freedom House or how you can become part of our church, visit our website at freedomhouse.cc.